Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back, everybody, to an ESSR feature show. Yes, there is actually a feature show here on the Steep Suplex Retreat podcasting feed. We're back to our regularly scheduled programming. You know, we feel it's important for us here on this panel to be the first feature show in a few weeks because to the three of us, these airwaves are sacred. Much like the subject of today's career profile believes that the wrestling mat is indeed sacred. But before that, a bit of housekeeping. You can find Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat when we do do feature shows and all the other stuff that we do on all good Android podcasting sites, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever you get your podcast, please give us a like, rating, or review on your chosen podcast platform. You can also find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Suplex Retreat. Get involved in the conversation over on the Eat Sleep Suplex Retreat community page. Now, on to the panel. We've got our very own version of Imperium here today. We have myself leading this band of misfits as this podcast version of the Ring General. Also because people jokingly <laughs> say that I do look like Walter. We have similar facial features. When it does, <laughs> that's when I've got my hair cut short. When I try it, when it starts growing out, then I look like now emo Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> it's like a Pokemon evolution. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that Pokemon? It's Gunther. <laughs> <laughs> you guys said you think you're saying it's Walter, and he goes, "It's Gunther." Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and joining me today is a man who I guess regularly with on East Meets West. There should be an episode coming out fairly soon uh, of that because there's a lot going on in New Japan. He's always by my side on East Meets West. My very own Japanese wrestling-loving Ludwig Kaiser. He is Grant McRobbie. Pleasure to be on and to talk about the ring general, Walter. An absolute legend. I still call him Walter. They can say he's Gunther. He is Walter to me forever. <laughs> he will always be Walter to me. We will, I'll probably end up calling him Walter for most of this show because the times we were talking about him, he was called Walter. So out of habit, I'll probably call him that. But joining us... He was, he's been gone for a little while, but he's recently made his return. You heard him the other week on ESSR Central. Now he's back on the feature shows. He's by our side where he belongs, our very own Giovanni Vinci. as <laughs> Chris Anthony Lopez. I am so happy I'm Giovanni Vinci. Like, y'all don't <laughs> understand. Like, when, <laughs> when, when Scott was making the intro, I'm like, please, I hope I'm Giovanni Vinci. I really hope so. <laughs> And here I am. I'm back. I sound a little funny. My it's it got very it got really cold over here in my part of my part of America. So my my uh, my allergies are acting up, and your boy cannot talk a lot. But he's here talking about Guntha <laughs> the way we should be. Well, let's not start an argument here about pronunciations here. Well, we'll never get anything done. But well, I'm glad you're here. You do, you do fittingly sound like you just got chopped in the throat by Gunther. So, <laughs> <you're>, 
on the right show. I actually just got done uh, smoking a pack uh, in ten minutes. So um, yeah, I'm I'm out here. You are definitely here. Sad to have you. Uh, let's get into into Walter's life in there and where he and where he started in the wrestling world. But uh, we're gonna before we talk about that, I want to ask you guys about your first the first time you guys kind of saw Walter. You know, he for a long time in the indie independent scene was kind of all over the place. Everywhere he went, he was winning championships. And we'll get into some of those accolades in a little bit. But Grant, you got to see uh, Walter a lot. Uh, you know, in places like Progress and everything. So, can you take us back? Where, where do you remember the first time you got to see or experience Volter in the ring? So, the first time I got to experience him, well, in, in person was chapter 69 for Progress. Hey, what a number. Um, and that was against the wrestler who we're just going to redact and just not say his name because he is a, not a nice person. Putting it lightly. But um, yeah, it was during a a, a run when Walter was beating that same person in every promotion and looking back, it was beautiful to watch him absolutely destroy him. You know, good fun. Uh, so I've seen, <laughs> I seen, I seen him live with that, but I'd also kind of got into him when I'd started watching Progress before and seen him with the original kind of ring camp with him, Axel Dieter Jr. and Timothy Thatcher. Now, how's that for a scary trio? <laughs> yeah. Timothy Thatcher, I'm assuming the person who Chris Hansen definitely did not want me to to compare him to, but I, I know the few <laughs> about Ergren, and you know, it wasn't until we were about to record this that I remember just how many people that he feuded with. We can't talk about, especially one of his more notable independent feuds, which went across many promotions. And this person, we'll call them Kaiser Sose, because we don't want to mention his actual name. He, uh, he, every promotion he went, every time he fought Walter, he couldn't win, and every time you thought, oh, maybe he'll win at this time, but he didn't. And now looking back on what we've learned about this person, we know that Walter was a good guy in that feud all along. <laughs> Walter was the hero we didn't know we had at that time. Yeah, he'd done so many great ma- great matches, especially in progress. Um, very notable for his run with like the Atlas title, which was kind of like the reverse cruiserweight title, since everyone in the UK seemed to be under £205. So we had this one for the big lads and eventually unifying the, the Progress titles. So he'd done a lot there, and he was in Progress for like four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was like, there was, and at the time uh, of the, the UK wrestling, but he was very much, you know, one of the few like non-UK guys who was constantly coming over and making a home in the, uh, in the UK. Like Tony Storm was another one being from Australia, but coming over to the UK and being a kind of a, considered a UK like star. Yeah, it really like for for me. I was kind of late in the uptake, but like when I figured, found out he was in WXW beforehand and went back into that. Man's just got a back catalogue of absolute bangers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely does. We'll talk about a few of them and all about. But Chris, I know you wouldn't have got to see him really live for a long time uh, because a lot of this stuff was happening in Europe and the UK. But he did the occasional trek over to the US. He wrestled in promotions like Evolve, I believe. His first time in Evolve, he was defending the Progress Atlas title and a match against Fred Yehe. But to your knowledge, Chris, where did you first experience Walter? Well, would this be when he was in WWE or did you get a chance to see him before he made his debut? I mean, as a wrestling fan in the 2010s, it was very hard to not hear about this Walter guy. And I 
had heard his name a bunch. I'd seen him without knowing it was him. I saw, I just saw this big white dude chopping the hell out of people. And I was thinking to myself, who is, who is this man? Who is this mysterious man? Because all he does is chops, but it incites one hell of a reaction. So I was just wondering, who is that? Who, I, from, a, from a distance, of course, because like what you guys said, Walter really made his name overseas. So I didn't get to see him or ha- I haven't gotten to see him in person yet. But it was um, NX UK TakeOver Blackpool. And I think, what was it, 2019? And when he showed up um, to confront Pete Dunne, I thought to myself, oh my God, who is this man? And just the reaction that, that the crowd had in Blackpool, seeing him and just, I felt like I was watching, I was seeing a moment that like, this is something that I should be made aware of. And boy, little did I know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> like he, he is the man. Whatever you want to call him, he is. At that moment, we knew he was going to be a big deal in the E. He was already a big deal on the Indies, and that's great. But in WWE, he was destined for stardom. And it may have taken him a while, and it may have taken a regime change and a new name. But damn, he's great. Damn, he's <laughs> super cool. He definitely is. I can't remember exactly the first time I would have saw him, but I was I was hearing more about him and more I was watching old progress and other like UK promotion matches on YouTube and I came across Falter and one of the first prominent matches I think I would see him in was randomly on a New Japan UK show where they had this is a random match to see if you can find it. Yuji Nagata versus Walter, which is which was a hell of a hard thing contest, and I got to see first I what his shots like, and then I was like, I need to see more of this, of this falter. And then I'd seen a lot of matches I saw at first of them where I'd found online, and so I remember being at the Barrowlands at ICW in 2018, and then it made an oh, a big name coming, gonna be announced for uh, for Shugster's party night one, and it was falter, and I was like, oh, I know a bunch of guys got a new group at the time didn't know uh, much about him, but. I was excited, and then he came to ICW and he fought BT Gun, and I was annoyed at the time because I know also they'll be loyal to BT, but I just I remember in ICW that match. Like I don't feel like I got full Walter here. Yeah, I was at that as well, and it was like I was like, nah, they're they're definitely that's Walter holding back there, um, and you know like random bangers Rev Pro 2018 against Tomohiro Ishii, oh, absolutely yes. elite. Oh my god, that match must have been nuts. It's on YouTube for free. <laughs> um, looks like I got some homework to do. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Uh, we'll just write you a list at the end of the podcast, Chris, of just a bunch of matches to go and go watch. So the next time you're on a show, we'll just ask you, how, how, was, how was these matches? Could you give us your full report? <laughs> yeah, I'll have a whole, I'll have a whole like, presentation ready of my favourite uh, Balter matches. He'll come back with a Drew Gulag S PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> right, right. So it is bizarre though. I think maybe if WWE didn't come a call on when they did, I really do feel like Walter was somebody who it's 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 mad that we didn't get to see him wrestle over Japan or to go to like New Japan or Noah or whoever, because a guy his size, at least the size he was then who hits as hard as he does, like 
you got to think the Japanese crowd would lap that up because they love their big foreign gaijin like monsters who can hit as hard as possible. Oh yeah, like that's like he would have been like the likes of your Jonah and stuff like that from New Japan. He would have just been someone that they brought in who would probably still have some credible losses, but would also demolish anyone he was up against. Mm-hmm. It's hard to mess him up. Like you know his presentation. Like it was. He his 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 gimmick and his character was like seamlessly translated from the Indies to NXT UK to NXT. Yeah, he got a name change, but the presentation never changed. And I feel like that would have been the case anywhere he went. You got to present him that way. That's how he made his name. That's how people know him. Why change that? Mm-hmm. Keep that the way it is. Yeah, he may have gotten a new name, but he's still, you know, he's still Walter. And he's still, what the hell, like this monster that'll cave your chest in with his hands. Like that, any any company would have benefited from having him around. But the E just got lucky. And by lucky, I mean paid him. But <laughs> he is, he's so, he's so recognizable and he sticks out in the crowd. He would have been successful anywhere. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Let's get into uh, some of Butler's history here. He was born Walter Hahn in Vienna, Austria on August 20th, 1987. He, as you mentioned over his time, he has wrestled under variations of the name Walter because that is his real first name. He's also wrestled under the name Big Daddy Walter and Big Van Walter, uh, which I think is very fitting given the size of him. And you could definitely compare him to a European version of Vader with the Big Van nickname. He would make his debut for what would go on to become his home promotion of WXW promotion. He would frequent up until I think even he would go there even as UK champion. I think he left match in there was around about 2019-2020. But he would make his WXW debut on May 4th 2007 in a four-way pre-show match on the of that year's 16-carat gold tournament. A tournament he would go on to win a few years later. But and I think we know also about progress, ICW, Rev Pro, OTT. Like those are the main promotions that I think got a lot of attention when the UK was at its, you know, peak in the late 2010s and the boom period. But there was also a bigger, you know, growth of European wrestling at that time. And I think right at the epicenter of it, you have to say, was WXW probably thanks to the likes of Walter. Yeah, I mean that's it. He really like sort of like set himself apart right from the get go. And yeah, most people will know him for the things that we've mentioned, but he's got some really obscure stuff as well. Like, um, I'm, I'm going to send you an absolute belter on Messenger while we're discussing this, because did you know that he wrestled as Ga-Cha-Ping in Japan? <laughs> and his mm. his image is one, well, it's it's definitely different from the Volter that we know. It is vastly different. I'm still getting my head around it when every time I look at it, I just can't deal with it. Because this is how he used to. This is how he used to be, and this was back in zero one, around about two thousand and seven. I've I've seen this image out there before. He looks like Augustus Gloop, all grown up. Oh my does, god! Does anyone remember Bulk from Bulk and Skull and the Power Rangers? Oh my <laughs> god! Why did you say that? <laughs> That's Bulk. <laughs> That's Bulk. Oh my lord! He looks Why, like Walter. That, that singlet he's wearing looks like you've told your parent at the last minute you need a Ninja Turtles costume and this is what they've put together. 
<laughs> why, why is he wrestling like it's that like he's a part of the rockers dude like he he looks like he's ripped out of the 80s but this was what 10 years ago 12 years ago 15 years ago it's 15 years ago still what the hell what's going on here see i've got a little story about walter because in my research for walter it does seem like he was young babyface wrestler trying to you know, fairly unknown, and then he beefed it quickly, became Volta ring general, seemingly like overnight. And there was, there was a little in between, but when he was still, you know, finding his feet, I heard a story via Nick Aldis. He did a, a YouTube show for the NWA, and he mentioned Volta being on a tour for Brian Dixon's UK promotion, All Star Promotions, that used to do a lot of like camp and family friendly shows. And I say camp is in the wrestled that camps, not that the shows were a bit camp. But uh, basically, Brian Dixon loved everyone to have a character, and uh, he didn't know what to do with all. Like, you don't have a character because <laughs> apparently that's how he talks. That's how everyone talk, does impression. <laughs> Brian Dixon, like, you don't have a character, and so Brian went through a big box of like props, and apparently didn't know a lot about the WWE or what was big at the time. So he pulled out a cane mask, not knowing who Kane was, and told Walter he should wrestle in this mask. And being a young wrestler, he ended up doing it. So Walter ended up wrestling a tag match for all star promotions, wearing a cane mask. And um, to to what I'm assuming was a confused crowd to wondering, why is that man dressed as Kane? (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's definitely not Kane. But little little do we know what he'd become. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, yeah, I think there's a history. I I wasn't a... I'm too young to probably have experienced this, but I hear a lot of fans in the UK of a series talking about tribute shows, and I can imagine whatever they look like in that single that you sent us, plus a KMS, is probably what a lot of acts on those old UK tribute shows probably look like, with the UK Rock and the UK Undertaker. Oh my God, I really wish I was around to see that. Like, Could you imagine being a kid and seeing that live? I would have lost my mind. I've heard sales of like there would be shows promoting The Legion of Doom, but it wasn't like two guys dressed as the LD. It was just one guy. He was the Legion of the... <laughs> <laughs> Which made me wonder, who's, whose haircut did he copy, though? Did he go for the animal mohawk, or did he go for the... Did he go for the hawk? Who knows? But... So, it, it did seem like he's... It was a case of, oh, he doesn't have a character. But then I think his character basically became, look how big I am, and I'm a good wrestler. And he, his basically love for wrestling became his character with the whole, this match, is sacred and he would quickly become a big name in WXW, winning his first of three WXW Unified World titles on October 2nd, 2010, defeating Zack Sabre Jr., a man me and Grant talk about in glowing terms every every month on East Meets West. But he would also become a four-time WXW Tag Team Champion, each time winning it with a different partner. He'd win it with Robert Dresker, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Ilya Dragunov, Timothy Thatcher, and the aforementioned Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> like, how how great would it be to see nowadays a Gunther Zack Sabre Jr. partnership? Don't care what it was, they just they would just have an absolute blast, just polar opposites. Like Gunther just being calm and collected, and then whenever they lose, Zack Sabre Jr. has gone off on a ramp, probably blaming Boris Johnson and Brexit or Liz Truss. <laughs> not to jump too far ahead on. On all this, but the scene in WXW 
from like 2010, 2015 is or really 2017. It's just like a who's who of of talent. Like they're still around, and these are stars in their respective promotions. Like WXW, they had some little like again, like at the time. They may not have been the biggest stars on the planet, but a lot of these guys are household names now in the pro wrestling world. Like it's crazy what the hell WXW is doing. And Walter was like at the centerpiece of that solely because of what he looked like. And you want to talk about the star power of WXW in this time. I believe it was his first reign. Could be second, I could be wrong. But one of Walter's WXW world title reigns came to an end at the hands of El Generico. And a match I wish I could find. And given that we all know that El Generico taught Sami Zayn everything he knows, if someone's going to yeah. bring that title from Walter and bring it to the bloodline, clearly Sami Zayn has the tools to do so. Oh my god. <laughs> I- I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at it. No, I would, <laughs> I would yeah. definitely not be mad at that either. But, Gran, in 2016, a group that would become to kind of define Walter Flash Gunther, no matter what the name of the group is, in 2016 we would have the formation of it, of what was then known as Ring Camp, uh, alongside Axel Deer Jr., the future Ludwig Kaiser slash Marcel Barthel, and Timothy Thatcher. Basically, it's a case of we take this very seriously. That was our that was their mantra. Honestly, that was an absolute dream team stable because they just went anywhere they went, they just caused devastation. Plus, let's face it, if you have Timothy Thatcher in your stable, you don't want to fight them. Timothy Thatcher is one scary bastard. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a case of like, he's he's maybe American, but it was a case of he is one of the few wrestlers that and Kayfabe Walter and Axel DG had respect for. That's why he was invited kind of into the group. And he was seemingly the last one to to join WWE, and I still feel a bit of sadness the fact that they never even thought about temporarily bringing him into Imperium. I know they teased it when they were feuding with Imperium, were feuding with uh, Champa and Thatcher, but I would love to see, would love to have seen Falter and Timothy Thatcher united in WWE, or even I would love to have seen them fight for the WWE UK title at one point. Yeah, because I mean they they had they've had a couple of matches before, and one of them was in progress, and it was an absolute slugfest. Just two big lads battering each other. Yeah, cause like as a, as a group, they still weren't against you know fighting each other. You know, Walter and Thatcher had some great matches against each other. Then Walter won the Progress Atlas belt, lost it back to Matt Riddle, and then there was a three-way match at Alexander Palace of. Thatcher, Riddle and Walter for the Atlas title in which Walter won the belt back but uh, at the time also uh, Rinkan made for some really solid six man uh, tag team uh, matchups including one particularly in progress which was Rinkan versus British Strong Style Pete Dunn, Tyler Bate and Trent Seven which basically oh God. Like five out of the six of them basically went on to be building blocks for NXT UK yeah, the, the UK wrestling scene, y'all were spoiled as hell over there. Because now all these guys are are running the show over here in the States. Like, they're the shit. And I know, like, Timothy Thatcher, for now, isn't in WWE. But all these guys made their presence known. 
in the biggest wrestling company in the world and damn they're the shit and just look back like in preparation for this like just looking back at walter slash gunther's career like all the folks who he was feuding with like they are featured on weekly tv here like it's nuts it's absolutely nuts yeah totally and like it does feel like every so often you're in the uk or in uh, the us but somebody comes along every few years as a guy who just goes to different promotions and just keeps winning titles, and then that person ultimately gets signed, and someone else comes in and that be- and takes that role. And in 2018, that was Volter's role because in 2018 alone, he won the PWG World Title from Keith Lee, where Keith Lee got signed. He won the Defiant Wrestling Internet Championship, defeating Radio Edit, and then eventually had a very notable triple threat match with said Radio Edit and Zach Sabre Jr., where he chopped. Is actually Junior's soul out of his body, a la Doctor Strange knocking somebody's astral plane out of their own body. He also defeated Radio Edit for the Progress World title after willingly vacating the Atlas title, giving that when he was told that he wouldn't get a shot at the world title as long as he was Atlas champion. And then he also had a long run in 2018 and 2019 as OTT world champion. We absolutely demolished uh, Jordan Devlin, then went on to have matches with Will Ospreay and Pac for that title even if the pack match had to be in the DQ because Pack was Dragon Gate champion and couldn't be pinned. But that's three companies there. Three of three of those four titles are like world championships. It's a case of like Volta comes in and you really have no choice but to immediately book him as a top guy because you look at the size and you think like this is a guy who shouldn't be chasing. This is a guy who should win the title and have people chase him. Yeah, everywhere we went it's just he was a presence and yeah, I like you mentioned the pack match. That one stands out in my mind because Pack broke his finger in the middle of the match and just popped it back in like it was nothing. <laughs> That's a big fuck you, Sinkara. Who famously stopped the match because he had a broken finger. <laughs> like, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier about uh, his presentation. Like everywhere he went, he was the man, and like. And at the like now he's he's all like leaned up but still has this big presence. At the time he was like he was a bigger dude, and it was hard to miss him. And even if you tried to not look at him or not try to or tried not to acknowledge him, he, you heard the chops that became so synonymous with his career, and it was disgusting. And just watching him like the reins that he's had through multiple different promotions. Like, like there's, again, whenever Walter found out what the right formula was, like, he's going to ride that for the rest of his career. Whenever he chooses to stop, it's, it's going to be the same shit, but it's going to be the best. It's going to be so rad. Like, no one's complaining. No one's complaining that he's had the same presentation for years because it's that good. And he's that good at it. And he, the folks that he has along with him, they also benefit from just being in his presence, you know? I would have no idea who Marcel Barthel was without <laughs> Walter, you know, or Ludwig Kaiser, you know, any of these folks. Like, I, it's nuts. I, I really can't fathom watching what he was doing in the indies just to see where he is now. Like, damn, like, fucking uh, Granny just mentioned not too long ago that you've seen him. Like in person, like that's nuts to me. Like I'm Jones, and they go see him in person. 
it was, it was crazy. Like seeing him live for the first time, then meeting him at merch, and uh, on that same card was just when Ilya Dragunov had started to appear in progress, leading up to a big match with Pete Dunne. So it was just like a who's who of big talent at that time. Right. It was unreal. I remember Ross and Ryan in twenty nineteen. I say. Uh, before Volter was on his way to unifying the I think he'd already unified the Atlas belt with the progress belt but there was a show in Newcastle that Ross and Ryan were going to go to Volter because car, Ryan's car broke down or whatever they weren't able to go and I believe on that show the main event was Volter defending against Eddie Kingston my god <laughs> oh well, I wouldn't give let, to see that nowadays let, let's not forget the infamous GCW match with PCO. Oh, how did I forget that? Yeah, I think a lot of people took, not just notice of Gunther, but I think they took a lot of notice of PCO as well. I think this is where he truly started his kind of career renaissance that he's been on, you know, going, then getting that deal with Ring of Honor, winning that title. Now he's in our No More and Impact, but just like the how purple his chest was. And I remember chanting PCO when I did that interview with him in 2019. He was kind of just casual, but like, yeah, basically, I've always had a higher tolerance for pains. I just told Wally, you did the chops. Like, just, just keep chopping me. Basically, I can take it. And, like, that image, I think, was, like, everywhere. Because that was, like, WrestleMania weekend 2018. And so, like, obviously, everybody was wondering what match and these, all these, all these indie shows is going to do the weekend. And I think that, without a doubt, was one of the most talked about matches of that weekend. Oh, yeah, that was totally... But, yeah, it was just unreal. Just... Mm-hmm. It, it's like the, getting that that sort of spot. Like it was already pretty well known, but that I'd say was a big pivotal moment in getting them the big recognition. And like with these title raids, I said in twenty eighteen, he defended them in some major shows like the Year Progress title. He and Tyler Bay before they had that epic match in Cardiff, they had a match at Progress's Wembley show for the title, which thought came out on top of. He then unified the belt with the the Atlas title, defeating uh, Trent Seven before. Ultimately losing the titles to, I believe it was Eddie Dennis. He did this long feud in this build to Jordan Devlin winning the belt back from an OTT. And he lost the program, the PWG title to Jeff Cobb. Just as Jeff Cobb was suddenly becoming a bigger name on the Indies. So like it goes back to what Chris was saying earlier on. Like the, you were, it goes back to what you were saying earlier on, Chris, about like basically he was going up against a who's who of opponents and I think that's why so quickly after he won all these belts and like Keith Lee and that that WWE quickly came calling for him especially given that he was a big name in the UK and they were getting set to launch a UK brand yeah and also what's funny is the way he lost the the Defiant internet belt he lost it to Martin Kirby who covered himself in bubble wrap to protect himself from Walter's chops <laughs> but genius Martin Kirby secretly the smartest man in wrestling but then we get to end of 2018, the rumblings have started that Volta has signed the WWE. He's primarily going to be part of the UK brand because he doesn't want to move over to the US. Uh, I I can say that I was lucky enough to be at XT TakeOver Blackpool. The first one, me, Ross, Gary and Sarah all went down. Gary took his daughter Lucy down as well. And you know, I, be, I mainly went because I was convinced Joe Coffey was going to win the title. So I wanted to be there when when Pete Dunne's record, then record setting reign loss, uh, was broken. And so I sat there, and then there was all the rubbish people were asking, like when Jordan Dem was in the ring, people thought, "Oh, is Gunther going to come out?" But then it turned out to be Finn Balor, which also got a big reaction. So then the show was ending, and then 
when that music hit because his music is basically royalty free, so WWE could use it with no issue, even though they've they've now changed it, but they could use it if they want to do the familiar. Given the size of it, pretty much you may as well just start playing the Jaws theme because that's <laughs> he went through what was the biggest boss for the first few months of NXT UK of Joe Coffey, now an even bigger boss. Come out like Qui Gon Jinn once said, the Phantom Menace, there is always a bigger fish. And out came Volter, and just the way that Nigel McGuinness sold it, like how the bigger rival of Volter, and the serious moment basically him squaring up to, to Pete Dunn and just basically like, you're, I'm going to be the one to take that belt from you. I mean, Chris, even like you said, like if you're watching this and you're not as familiar with his work, you like by his presentation, you know he's a big deal. And the crowd's reaction, like y'all at the show, you know, like it was this grand, it was like this welcome, like, holy shit, like shit just got real <laughs> watching the TV. And again, I had heard of him. I'd seen his chops online on Reddit, on Twitter. It was hard to not be a wrestling fan and or be a wrestling fan and not see him. But I didn't fully comprehend what was going on until I heard the reaction. Folks were acting like Stone Cold just came back. But really, it was Walter just making his presence known in un, under the WWE banner and sizing himself up to Pete Dunne, who was a monster in NXT slash NXT UK. And Walter shows up. He's like, no, this is my domain now. And that was the case for a very, very long time. I, I mean... Recognizing the music, I had that proper, like, where you put your head in your hands, you're like, oh my god, like, you know what's about to happen. But God, as much agree as the moment as it was, some people did have to take the fun out of this moment just by reminding us that Volter stood in front of the L and his name on the Titan Tron. So there was just a big letter behind him, water, and people, what <laughs> <laughs> wrestler guaranteed to quench your first water. It's important. You need it. You need water. <laughs> I mean, it was Walter. He was up there with Big Ass. I mean, Big Cass. Let's not forget that. But, Grant, what was your reaction to seeing Gunther now in the WWE ring? I, I lost my mind. I, I was just, I was actually sitting at home watching it live on the network in the living room, a few beers in. Parents got home with my aunt and uncle when they were like, what are you? I was like, I was like this is only at the end. It's like, it's okay, it's okay. Then as soon as Volter's music kicked in, I scared the shit out of everyone because I fucking jumped out of the chair and screamed so loud I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was a real symbol symbolism. I think it was some real symbolism about how much of a changing in the guard of NXT was about to happen at that point. Because Joe Coffey tries to get back to the ring after just wrestling Peter for nigh on 30 minutes and Walter just puts him right in the fucking face. It's like, like no. <laughs> no. It's my ring now. Which I know, a lot, I know there were some Scottish fans who were annoyed about that, but I didn't mind it so much. But I think if you weren't as aware of these chops yet, as a WWE fan, you were made aware the very next night at the next taping because poor Jack Stars, this poor little Matt boy who just wanted an opportunity to wrestle, gets put against Walter, and one chop leaves a giant hand pinned on his chest. Like, have you ever seen a clip from one of Bruce Lee's last movies? He fights Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in that film. 
and he gets booted in the chest and has a giant footprint on his chest. And that's what this reminded me of when I saw the photos going around of Jack Stars and just a clip of the the sound like Magic Venice often described like a gunshot had gone off and I, I think that's the best comparison you can make. Oh, the sound. This, this, the first time you ever hear a Volter Chop live is actually a pretty horrific sound and you're just like, oh, oh, I felt that. <laughs> you feel it through the television, you know. You don't, just make sure you don't have one of those like 4D televisions. You'll really feel like his hand just reached through and slap you. And what did you say that guy's name was? Jack Stars? Yes, like, with his E, because he's cool. Like that, that is going to fall. That's your career, dog. You're the first guy to get shot by Walter in WWE. And that that is that's your claim that, that will be following you for the rest of your life. But that's a hell of a hell of a accolade to have. Like you're Walter's first shot in WWE and you have a scar from a chop to the chest. I bet I bet like his chest looks like Kofi Kingston now, you know? All caved in. <laughs> They'll be, he'll be telling his grandchildren and using them. So gather around, children. Would you like to know how Granddaddy got this mark on his chest? He faced up to a giant man named Volter. Did you win? No. No, I didn't. No. <laughs> but really, us as a family, we won. Because look, the mark passed from me to you. Because I was dropped that hard. <laughs> oh my god. It's, <laughs> it's, it's hereditary. <laughs> it's for the rest of his life. Oh no, that's horrible. It's like one of those things that's like, I'm going to chop you so hard your grandkids are going to feel like, no, they're not. Three generations <laughs> later, little, little Jack, Jack, Jack Jr. Jr. has been born with a handprint on his chest. Like, that's not right. <laughs> yeah, that ain't right. Oh, poor kid. It is, it's not even real, and I'm, I feel bad for him. But. Very close, I felt like, like this match needs to happen at the soonest possible moment. And the next biggest show was going to be that WrestleMania weekend, uh, 2019 NXT Takeover New York, Volta versus Pete Dunne. And, you know, a lot of people may have been annoyed with this given how long Pete Dunne had held the belt and everything not happening on UK soil. I mean, I, was, I wasn't against it for a couple of reasons. One, it was like, you know, it still feels like a big match. It's on... The fact they're putting on a US takeover means they know it's a big deal. In fact, it's on WrestleMania weekend, so a lot of eyes will be on it. And selfishly, the next NXT UK tapings after that takeover were going to be in Glasgow, and I was going to be at them, so I figured, oh good, I'll get to see the rematch live. And I did. Well, uh, I was there at that one, because Rhea Ripley was like still around NXT UK at that point as well, and it's when she'd kind of like turned proper goth. <laughs> yes. It was a slow transformation. Like she showed up a little bit goth. She's been at her first festival when she came back for the second May Young Classic, and then just slowly but surely she's made this transformation. So by the time she got to the main roster before she joined Judgment Day, she was she had reached her final goth form. Her final goth form. Her best form, if I say so myself. I mean, if you ask Dominic Mysterio, then yeah. But yeah, 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 Dom. More like sub. Am I right? <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> but, but Walter, back to Walter. Yeah, back to Walter. What did you guys think of? Well, one, this match being on a US takeover, and you know the the choice of of 
Walter to be the one to beat Pete Dalgo to your first sprint? I honestly, I would have loved the win to have came in the UK, but at the same time, just the recognition and the NXT UK belt at that point still felt very prestigious because, like, what Pete Dunne was only the second champion between the first two champions alone. You had like what two years worth of of reigns. And then Volter came in and made his impact and continued another long reign. It really made it feel like a different belt to whatever else WWE had on at the time. Yeah, and uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, honestly, I know a lot of your exposure to like, the UK brand probably was when they were appearing on an NXT, but you know, it still felt like a big match going into it. Oh, 1,000%. And my fascination with NXT UK... Like was at its peak around this time because I had gotten to see Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne wrestle each other. And I, again, didn't know who those guys were at NXT TakeOver Chicago. And I watched that match. I'm like, this match is nuts. Both these guys are legit. And Pete Dunne, to me, like the Bruiserweight was just the shit. And when he had this 600-plus day reign, like this guy's unstoppable. Who the hell's going to beat him? Walter shows up, oh shit, that guy's going to beat him. And of course, like, yeah, the issue at the time with NXT was that, you know, they were really spot, they spotlighted the NXT UK belt. It was just at US takeovers. And I, got, I guess that was just a product of, of the time. And, you know, they had, I feel like they had a takeover every month, it felt like, because how big of a deal NXT was and how it was presented. But that match bangs. Like, I remember watching that match. Like, this is insane, watching these two go at each other. And it was like watching – like, that that match didn't main event, but it damn near should have or it could have, you know? And it's – oh, my God. Like, I remember watching that first Walter match. Like, I get the – I buy the hype now. I get it. <laughs> and – it was a mistake. It was the. It was not a mistake, and it was the best decision at the time for them to do. I told Walters the shit, and if I didn't know that beforehand. I knew that then when that match was over. I mean, it did feel like kind of run out of options. Like they bringing him in, and like he kind of had to win the title because Pete Dunne had beaten pretty much everyone else that there was to beat NXT UK at that time. And like I remember raving about this match at the time and how much I loved it. And I love the way they did the finish because like, it really presented Waller as big, as big a threat as he beat had ever faced. He beat down was getting desperate points in this match. He, he takes a power bomb off the middle rope and then a tight splash from Walter pre the uh, pre shredded Walter does a big splash off the top rope and flattens Pete Dunn and ends his 685 day reign as champion. To which Walter takes the title and thought, huh. I'll see your 685 days and absolutely fucking smash it because <laughs> one full belt for 870 days, the longest probably reign of like, any WWE title for like, ever. It's got to be up there in WWE history and Walter will hold on to that, that title. And I got to see him wrestle in the UK and Glasgow uh, to an eight taping against PDM, but also in this time, Pete Dunne and Walter a rematch were, was featured on a WWE live tour of the UK because after WrestleMania is usually when they go over to the UK. And I looked up a series of, of house shows uh, online 
and there's like just says Pete Dunvey Walter, Pete Dunvey Walter, Pete Dunvey Walter, and then just this random house show right in the middle of the tour in Bournemouth, where randomly for one night it was Walter defeating an untitled match, our truth. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I bet no, the crowd popped loud as hell for that. Holy shit. Imagine you're a big fan of Walter and Pete Dunne of that magic team where you hear that it's being held and uh, it's being held uh, on these shows. Like, oh, good, I'll get to see that when I go to the WWE Live Tour. And you go to the tour, you see our trick, and you're like, right, oh, is probably some sort of comedy match. And then hear Walter's music out, like, what? Oh, my <laughs> God. That, that moment must have been nuts. And a quick thing before we continue... I was wondering what main evented that that takeover, that New York takeover, and it was Gargano Cole two out of the three falls match where Gargano won the NXT Championship. Now I understand why that couldn't main event because that match also bangs. But yeah. um, Walter Pete Dunn, God, that match is so good. I mean, for me, New Orleans is probably the best takeover, but I think the following year of main takeover with Takeover New York is like very very. In terms of how great it's, a, that it's a stacked card. Like looking at the card right now, it's very stacked. Even though, again, somebody we can't talk about retaining the North American title on that show. But moving back I don't to want to Walter, talk about it. To Walter, he take the belt to Glasgow, defend it against Pete Dunne, and retain it thanks to a little team that had been forming on XT UK, a team of then Fabian Eichner and then Marcel Barthel, who reformed a new version of. The, of Ring camp, now known as Imperium. And I was lucky to see on the second night of that taping a six man tie team match between them and Brett Strongstyle, which led to the reveal of another member of Imperium, this time the then Alexander Wolf. And genuinely, I remember being in the crowd and I hear people around me, people genuinely thought that the man under the hood was going to be Timothy Thatcher. And this was before Thatcher had even signed, but there were people at that team who genuinely thought the man under the hood was going to be Thatcher. How disappointed were they? <laughs> I mean, it made sense, but like, I was shocked at the time because like, Sanity had just kind of fizzled out just then on the main roster. I, didn't, I knew Eric had only been moved to Rob. I didn't know what any of the other two were doing. Uh, so to see Alexandra Wolf just suddenly show up in NXT UK alongside Volter was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, and I mean, he's he was always like the odd man out. And I mean, that's for now. That's the case. As of this recording, he's the one member of Imperium that isn't on WWE TV right now. So it was it was a little weird, but it, it made sense at the time. I guess I didn't hate it. Yeah, yeah. I think it was it was good for her at that time. You know, have a proper like four man unit, you know, dominant NXT. UK for a little bit, and they kind of did run Russia as Volter to retain the title against Radio Edit. He uh, would have that match that we talked about in Wrestling Mixtape, I'll mention it here again, the five and a bit star classic that we talked about on the UK uh, quiz showdown a wee while ago. Volter reverses Tyler Bate in Cardiff 40 plus minutes of just absolute sensational wrestling. Like, I know obviously Takeovers are known for like their quality, and like the UK Taylor Cardiff was, it takes the UK Blackpool. The first one was good, but I, I think we can. Even though I was there live, I can definitely admit that what, sitting live and watching the Cardiff one 
Cardiff fucking blew them out of the water and as good as the, the two of them are, I don't think anyone was prepared for how good Walter versus Bate was going to be in Cardiff. Yeah, they, they put on something special. I mean, like when it was Walter vs. Bate back at the Progress Wembley show, I was there for that as well and it blew that out of the water. Yeah, Tyler Bate is another one of those another one of those UK guys that came over and just absolutely stole my heart when I first saw him wrestle. And the anticipation that I felt, like, holy shit, this immovable object and, like, the ultimate underdog, at least to me, right, like this David and Goliath type thing. I had no prior context of what Tyler Bay had done against Walter before. I watched this match, and it is, of course, another barn burner. They, they bring the damn house down. But Walter, again, this unstoppable being, like he, like what you said, Ross, or not Ross, you're Scott. Um, this whole thing is like, this is this 800 day reign, right? And he is just plowing through all these folks, but they're all great matches. That's the thing. He's not just this monster that is, you know, beating the shit out of his opponents. These matches are genuinely compelling and they invoke, they evoke emotion. And I think that's the best part of Walter's, um, like, like when you watch Walter's matches, like, yeah, it's fun watching big man chop small boy, but it's, it's, it's deeper than that. And I think that's what brought me or like why I started being so invested in Walter's matches. Yeah, and I, I told the this a lot in the wrestling mixtape. Uh, he, he got five and a quarter stars from Meltzer, which was a big deal at the time because early in the early in the year they'd had a cold ground that you mentioned. Chris also cracked that five star skill, so it was rare to see that happen on a WWE branded show. But from there, they kind of ended the British Strong Style era almost to the date of NXT UK because Beat Dunn was kind of gone from the brand. Done, uh, done and uh, Seven would hang around after that for a fair while until the brand's end. But Imperium would go and he'd continue to dominate. Uh, Joe Coffey would again in Blackpool try to win the title but lose to Walter. But well, all people that Blackpool show was in a world place. Ultimate NXT brand warfare faction played and we had Imperium versus the Undisputed Era, which was almost marred by the fact that Alexander will probably believe it was just been knocked himself out right like 10 minutes in less than five minutes in yeah i mean that was that that, that was let, let's face it dream matches undisputed era against imperium imperium that is a definition dream match and it was just beautiful i mean that's like any like undisputed era also having a dream match against british strong style before as well those kind of three trios are just up there for unreal quality of matches and you put any combination of them together you're going to get magic yeah i think they got like the some of the biggest reactions them and must have spent on that night for world's they got some of the biggest reactions out of all the nxt uk guys because at the time the lot of fans probably didn't know them it was very heartbreaking in the opening match of that show to see Ilya dragunov come out to absolute crickets for his match with balor and like you had the build-up angle on NXT where Adam Cole goes to kick Walter, Walter grabs him and he chops him so hard he nearly flips the guy like 360 degrees. Like 
it's very fitting that Major Vingess is yelling at the time, get ready for the fireworks, because the chop that he made sounds like a fucking firework going off. And Imperium suddenly becoming the baby faces, having to battle back from 43 disadvantage. Walter gets taken out, only to come back like the bear from the Revenant and just tears. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It filled me with a lot of pride to see Imperium win, I'll, I won't lie. Probably because I knew, part of me knew that it made David Hockney very sad. It's crazy how they made me give a shit about an eight man tag. <laughs> like, eight man tag, at least in WWE, like for the longest time, they were just used to let's get all these guys in the same ring, have them wrestle for a little bit. But they went on for a very long time. And again, the match was great. And plus, like the eight guys involved. Like they were on fire. Imperium was on fire. Undisputed Era was like my favorite thing in wrestling at the time. And like they, they were the shit. Was like I was a little bit torn. Of course, I was gonna side more towards Undisputed Era, but I couldn't be mad at Imperium. Like they were they were and still are, again, I have to jump ahead too much. They still are the shit. Like they they that faction rules. And I, I kind of want bigger, more and bigger things out of them. Yeah, and we need to go talk about the match that will never, that seemingly will never be, and the takeover that will never be, as we were supposed to have a UK takeover Dublin in April, and it was meant to be certainly Balor versus Falter for the UK title, and you know what? I I don't even know it. I think Barmy still believes that if it had actually went ahead, they probably would have had Balor beat Walter for that for that title, given how big of a name Balor was going back to NXT. How mm-hmm. much people would you know associate him with that NXT championship? He has more combined days with the NXT title than anybody. I really think he would have won that. But like many other things, Grant, we were robbed of it thanks to that bloody pandemic. <laughs> I know. I was so looking forward to that. I was like, yeah, I'm ready for it. Give me the dream match. Give me the absolute brutality. No. COVID says no. Absolute <laughs> bastard. COVID says no. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Do you think they would have seriously considered putting the UK title on a Sun Palace? Oh, I mean, considering it, I I 100% thought, like, think they would have. Because again, like it's Finn Balor, you could have taken, like, he was doing, like, Finn Balor going back to NXT, the times that he has, um, like, have been nothing but stellar. And, like, and, like, Finn Balor, NXT Finn Balor is, I think, one of the best wrestlers of the past decade. Like, if I were to just pinpoint Finn Balor in NXT, he is the man. And at the time, like Balor and Walter, holy shit, I want to see that. I want to see that now, to be frank, especially where both those characters are at at this moment. I want to see that. And just to think at the time, like, robbed is the word to use. Like, that's a match that at the time would have banged. But that damn Pandy had to get in the way. (laughs) <laughs> and hope I mean now uh, the NXT UK belt is um is yeah, but you can still you can still find a way to make this happen, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we could have Judgment Day V Premium nowadays, but I honestly Holy don't think shit. 
I also don't think Dom and Gunther can be in the same place at the same time for too much too long because they look too similar hairstyle wise. I think the same place for too long, the entire universe will, unfold, will fold in on itself. That's cute of you to think that Dom would be in the match. It would totally be Gunther, Kaiser, Vinci versus Balor, Priest, Ripley. I would watch that shit in a heartbeat. Like, met, like Rhea would be down to take a chop from Walter. <laughs> She'd be down. I hundred like, percent believe that. I talked about it on Central recently how, like, yo, if we're gonna start having intergender matches, Ripley's gonna be the first one to do it. And imagine Walter stepping up to Ripley, Ripley stepping up to Walter, and chop. That'd be so damn hard. I'd love that. That sell that sells t-shirts. That sells tickets. Heart, like, do it. Just do it. Do it, WWE, you cowards. Do it. Shit, we we can't we kind of went past it, but Walter did have some exposure on the main roster, but it didn't quite go the way we would have thought as he was the first man eliminated in the five on five on five NXT versus SmackDown versus Raw men's Survivor Series match when he was eliminated very quickly with a Claymore kick by, by Drew McIntyre. So uh, Drew McIntyre can technically say he is the first man to pin Walter in WWE. Look, okay. I remember that five on five on five in Chicago. I was supposed to be at that show, but I wasn't. And I'm glad I wasn't because that shit turned the crowd so fast on the, on the broadcast. Now, luckily for WWE, Roman Reigns and Keith Lee had a hell of a sequence towards the end of that match that kind of saved everything. Uh, even though that match was a booking disaster. Having Walter the first one to go was a crime. Crime. I will never forgive them for that. But luckily, I forgot about it until doing research for this. And I'm going to forget about it again the second we're done with this. Because that doesn't exist in my headcanon. No. That match didn't happen. Mm-mm. It was a very interesting lineup, Frank, because I remember at the time. No, also it's different looking at it nowadays, but at the time they hadn't really found what they they didn't really know what they wanted to do yet with Damian Priest. And like legit when they were announcing the NXT men's team, they go, Damian Priest, they're like, Damian Priest, like of all the people you could have picked, you picked Damian Priest at the time. And at the time I was like, Why couldn't Damian Priest go out first? But then the right. year later <laughs> year later he became the guy who jumps into hot tubs with his leather pants still on. I like I kinda like this guy. <laughs> No, Damien Priest, yeah, he's rad. But at the time, it's like, what the fuck? Uh, but then the pandemic robbed us of seeing Walter wrestle for a, a, quite a while until the return in the BT in the BT studios where Ilya Dragunov, the next challenger to Walter, would pin Walter in a tag team match, taking the first in the UK brand to pin Walter. And then that led to another five-star match. Walter's had a couple of five-star matches, and I'll mention a whole of them. But the empty arena five star match between Walter and Dragonoff, like um, in 20, late twenty twenty, I think a lot of people probably didn't care about NXT UK. This it shows you how good this match was. Everybody at, for a little while was talking about NXT UK match. Everyone was like, "You have to see this match." Grant, I'll go to you first. Just you know, I'm sure there are people who have seen them before who experienced this kind of match before. But like, I think. 
in terms of the violence level, it was not what a lot of WWE fans were used to. Absolutely unreal. Five star. And I don't know about you. Do you feel that like the empty arena made it more horrific sound than when every chop landed? Yeah, it was one of the few matches of that era that actually helped. Now, there were very there were a few moments during the empty arena period before the Thunderdome. I thought this actually is good without crowds. Like the early part of the Orton Edge feud before WrestleMania, that border match was helped by the lack of crowd. And I think this. Like as much as like a big match feel, you would have thought this needs a crowd in the second match did have a crowd, but like they said, it just made you like feel every blow all the more. Oh, it was unreal. The actual sound just uncomfortable. The empty arena was totally like the third was like the the third person in that match, right? Like because it it was the atmosphere and the lack of one that amplified the match because it was just those two like nothing else and it was it was stellar and this is the first time I really got to see um, Yusha Dragunov uh, wrestle like that. I had heard of him a bunch and I'd heard of his potential and like I'd seen him in matches before but I didn't know who he was it makes any sense but then this match happened I'm like oh shit like this is gonna like he's also another one of those guys that will beat the shit out of you and like again walter makes these dudes look so damn good while also being that that monster like he's the shit and all all those all those nxt uk guys all the ones that made the transition now except after the you know the weirdness that went out nxt uk they kept the ones that are just the best. They're the shit. And Dragunov's one of them. Yeah, I'm really glad he, that he's still a part of uh, the brand. And you know, it looks like he's going to the title soon. But uh, while, while they prepared Dragunov for the rematch, Gunther uh, would have, and in the words of somebody who will talk about a match with his, but he had banger after banger after banger because after this he would defend the title against A-Kid, Tommaso Ciampa, Rampage Brown who would appear more in the US NXT which led to rumours of him maybe changing his mind and wanting to move over to the US which does seem to correlate with you know, the beginnings of his relationship with Jenny potentially being a reason as to why he moved over but then we go on to NXT, NXT TakeOver 36, the last black and gold NXT TakeOver uh, were really a dragon off and a five and a half star match from Dave Meltzer won the NXT UK Championship by making Walter tap out of all things. Like, I said it, it before. I saw that coming. <laughs> I said it before, I'll say it again. Like, Walter is like, his, his matches Look like if you look at the matchups, these matches should not be as good as they are. You know, from like no context, bring in an outsider. Like, look at these two guys. Who do you think is going to win? And how do you think this is going to pan out? And Walter, it, they're just great stories to tell within these matches. And dropping the belt after almost 900 days 
of being champion, holy shit. Like, yeah, historic's the right word for it. And while Roman Reigns is currently uh, threatening that with how he's being booked, um, it's it's nuts. And it, it'll be something that I hope WWE acknowledges for a very, very long time. Yeah, I mean, if you need an opponent for the Rumble, I don't care if he's still the IC champion, put Gunther against Roman Reigns and take back Gunther's record for the feud. No. Something like that, I think, would be really cool. But you know, I think it, it was important to have this match at that time because you know a lot of people were down in NXT because we were getting ready for the rebrand into NXT 2.0. The SummerSlam was the day before the takeover, and they got some mixed reviews. So I think it was important for everybody to forget what was going on and what they hated about WWE at the time. I just talk about how great this match was because I don't think you, know, you mentioned the stories there, Chris, and. I think a lot of people forget that Walter isn't just like great matches, you know, and hard like jocks. Like he, he's very underrated in how he tells stories, primarily just through wrestling, not as maybe not so much through promos and everything, but he tells stories through his matches. And I yeah. think you know, not a lot of people really realize that. Like it's it's all these, like all these WWE ones. Maybe like it's obviously it's because it's the one with the most uh, spotlight and a lot of the ones that I've seen out of his work, but they're all good. Like his one-on-one matches, let me preface that. I don't want to acknowledge again that bullshit Survivor Series stuff, but his one-on-one matches, especially during that title reign that he had, like it was, it was bad shit. And it was like this different type of wrestling that I hadn't been exposed to yet. And it was just like this immediate appreciation made me like it changed the way that I looked at um and it, that that style of wrestling and like damn it it's I mean I'm glad it's still around I'm glad he's still around and it's this big deal now like especially since UK wrestling's blown up over the last decade but damn Walter is like the poster boy for that shit I know. We need to talk about it. We've been calling him two different names this whole show. So let's talk about it. He starts appearing more along the Imperium on the US NXT. I believe it's after a match against Roderick Strong. Walter gets on the mic and declares, No, the winner of this match is not Walter. The winner of this match is Gunther. And then it was just left there for another week until he explained why he was called Gunther the following week. But in the lead up to this reveal, Rumors were going around that WWE had trademarked the name Gunther Stark, and this was meant to be the full name that Gunther was going to go by because they didn't want him going by Walter because that was his real name. They wanted to have a name they could own. He quickly, before quickly before anything could further happen with his name on TV, quickly dropped the Stark aspect of it because apparently nobody did their research, and Gunther Stark was apparently a very high-ranking Nazi officer. And putting that, that, giving that name to a large Austrian man, uh, probably who hangs around with uh, a German and an Italian, probably wasn't the right idea. So they quickly just called him Gunther, and they had him explain later on that it was to do with they, they they gave a great they gave a decent attempt to make a backstory, you know, as it being his family name, and this was the name he was now going to go by. But I think, despite the fact, Grant, that. 
I, I said before, like since then, like more he, he's, that was around the time he started losing weight, and he's kept that up, and he's looking great nowadays. But through this, for the remainder of his XT win, and now going to SmackDown, he looks like Walter, talks like Walter, sounds like Walter, wrestles like Walter. He just happens to be called Gunther. So that you know, at the time, especially a lot of people were just absolutely like, no, absolutely not. How could they do this? I'm I'm still raging over the name change. I still don't like it, but at the end of the day, he is still the same wrestler that I love. Absolutely chopping people for fun. And really, in particular, the last few months when Triple H just came into things has really found his way back into my heart with some fantastic feuding and matches. <laughs> I didn't hate it. Like I, I didn't, I didn't hate the name change, and again, maybe it's because I haven't gotten, I didn't spend too, like too much time with, with Walter as he, as he, uh, as he stood. But like what you said, Grant, he was, especially recently, uh, with Triple H, uh, with Daddy H being a part of the like, NXT Creative. Um, the Gunther of it all. I feel like it's a matter of time before he's back to Walter, especially with all like we're getting a bunch of the NXT folks back. Like it's it's a matter of time. Um, he he didn't change as a character, and that's what matters. This was around about a weird time for name change. We had this, we had Kaylee Ray become an Alba Fire, and we had um, <laughs> we had the what I'll call the Butch incident, and I think a lot of people tarred the Butch and Gunther with the same brush but I really think like I said like if he has the same name but does everything else that you enjoy about him and acts the same way and it's basically the same character with a different name then I don't think it's a big an issue what, should, what was an issue is taking one of Volter's big opponents from NXT UK one of the top NXT UK names and making him act like an extra from Oliver so <laughs> yeah, the transition seemingly that we're seeing so far from Butch Turning more, only turning back into heat done. I'm I'm welcoming at the minute uh, with this whole Imperium brawling brutes thing. But Walter started kind of you know losing his weight. He had some great matches. He had Imperium versus Diamond Mine. We had him taking on Solo Sokoa and he fought LA Knight. Uh, NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver uh, before randomly being thrown at TV with a little build on TV the right after WrestleMania. He lost to Braun Breaker in a UK title match, which clearly says we would rather have this on a big stage, but we really need Gunther on the main roster. So let's just get it done now, because considering the the takeover following that, they may have ended it with with Braun Breaker versus fucking Joe Gacy. You know, <laughs> I would much rather have seen a takeover highlight headlined by a bloody Gunther versus Braun Breaker than anything else. But you know, that's what happened at the time. So he ran out his NXT run and then he appears on the main roster alongside now known as Ludwig Kaiser which is another name change that people don't like and I, I understand far less but uh, yeah, it did seem like it was just kind of out of nowhere just ran last match and here's Ludwig Kaiser now he's introducing Walter or Gunther See, going back to the Butch thing, right? Like, that was something that bothered me because the character obviously had changed. The presentation was different. And to a degree now, he's still 
you know, that Butch, that Vince McMahon had co-signed. But again, with Papa H being in charge, um, he's slowly reverting back to being Pete Dunne, the bruiser weight. And the Ludwig Kaiser thing, yeah, weird. Not the biggest fan of the name. But once the whole Imperium of it all really uh, came back into fruition and... um, like the the entrance again, not to get too far ahead, but at Clash of the Castle, like that was rad. Like I thought that was very cool, and it reminded me, like, yeah, these folks had different names, but they're the same people, and they're essentially the same characters that they were before. We're just calling them different stuff. At the end of the day, it's still Walter, it's still Marcel Barthel, and the rest is history. But Papa H could easily change that tomorrow if he wanted to. <laughs> Sometimes name changes do work. I mean, look at when I changed Stephen's name in the group chat to get to a PH. I improved upon it. He might have been resistant at first, <laughs> but it's Stephen with a PH. And now we have Gary's Eat Sleep Suplex retweet. <laughs> People resisted, but look at the magic harmony that we have going now. It's yes. Gary's world. We just live in it, to be honest. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. But what do we think of some of the other changes they made? And that's uh, Gunther's uh, entrance music. I mean, I remember he came out first in that red jacket, which I remember looking at like, I want that jacket. It, looks it, like it was hot, it. wasn't it? <laughs> but then they've got this new music, which recently so a choir, somewhat choir to sing Gunther, da ring, Basically, announcing to you, this is who's coming and he's here to fuck shit up. I'm, and I'm 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 here for it, man. I'm I'm here for it. I don't mind it. I mean, Chris has talked a lot about you know the Papa H being involved. I think Gunther should be proud of that because the report came out not too long ago that uh, well because they were unhappy with the, the random appearance on Raw on the July fourth episode of Raw uh, when when he beat up our truth who was dressed as Uncle Sam. It was plans to bury Gunther before things changed backstage. So uh, basically, Vince being ousted could not come at a better time for Gunther. Yeah, like that's it. It's an absolute beautiful save. And what he's doing, he's doing the Lord's work. He has given us the goods. I cannot get enough of it. I'll let this IC title reign continue because the belt's meaning something to me again. It feels important. It feels like it's getting proper good defences yeah I think Gunther before he's he, before losing the weight that he's lost in, in a previous kind of regime him coming up to the main roster would have been an idea that filled a lot of fans of his but kind of dread but like the, how quickly he went from being up enhancement talent and beating up Drew Gulak to suddenly he's challenging Ricochet for the Intercontinental title and winning it He's, we talked about Doms and subs treating bloody poor Ludwig Kaiser like a, like a sub because every time he lost, he was, he'd punish him by hitting him with chops. And then one time going like, no, 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 I'm not going to chop, you know. And then he did it anyway. <laughs> he needed to learn. Failure is not tolerated. And, and also, Grant, you talk about like kind of helping revitalize people, make you care about them, you know, also helping. Restore the lineage to the IC tell the same way Blashley's doing with the US belt over on Raw, but then they, they made you care about bloody Shinsuke Nakamura again because then Nakamura got a proper featured match against Gunther. It would be nice if it was on pay per view, but 
that SmackDown match between Gunther and Shinsuke, I mean, what a match. Oh, God, yeah, actually just letting them... Like, this is where I feel the big influence. Like, this is where Gunther, I think, under the Vince regime, would have struggled because he is a wrestler's wrestler. Whereas under Triple H, he's pretty much getting the instruction, go, smash. It's, it's, it's essentially Captain America to Hulk. Smash. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better, but Chris, you know, this restoring of the lineage to the IC title really continued that clash at the castle because this was the first time that title had been defended on pay-per-view since WrestleMania 37, night two, and the Nigerian drum match between Apollo and Big E when Gunther and Sheamus had another banger uh, and another match that has been rated five stars and a match that I think everyone can agree solely show a clash at the castle but also gave us back Giovanni Vinci as part of Imperium. Yo, I was shocked when Giovanni Vinci showed up and they kept his name Giovanni Vinci. That was rad. A. And B, that match fucks. It's so good. Like what you said, by far best match on the card. Stole the entire damn thing. And although... Um, Seamus' words came back and bit him in the ass when MJF got a hold of him. Like, Seamus can still go. And, like, putting him in the match with Gunther and just letting them beat the shit out of each other on pay-per-view in front of that hot-ass crowd in Wales, it just made sense. And just everything about the match was good. And give me more of that. I think um, as of this recording, they, they announced the rematch between the two of them. Um, yes, on TV, they're going to kill each other. We're going to win <laughs> some murder on television. And I, I'm here for it, to be honest with you. Two big meaty men slapping meat. Yes. I'm here for it. <laughs> all, that, all that kinds of meat. Because if you're hearing this, the date goes out, you're hearing this on October 4th. This coming Friday, Friday, October 7th, is the rematch we've all been waiting for. And honestly, after that performance and given that, you know, you don't know how much time Sheamus has got left, Parmy wants to see him take that belt from Gunther and complete the Grand Slam. He's 44 years old, by the way, and having these kinds of matches. And if I go near, people would tell him, like, a guy wrestling at 44, like, why is he still wrestling? He's, holding, he's taking spots from other people, but Sheamus is more than keeping his side of things. Him and the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium has been a hell of a feud on Smack there. And it was oh, hell yeah. Brutes, like challenging the Usos recently. You know, I just, what I'm realizing just through this Gunther thing is just that I, I'm reminded I love Sheamus. Sheamus never got, hasn't, I'm glad to see Sheamus getting the appreciation he deserves. Sheamus is so underrated. When yes. we look back at the 2010s, like, folks forget Sheamus. He's had a Hall of Fame-level career, and his ass ain't even done yet. And, like, we get caught up in the John Cena's and the Randy Orton's, the CM Punk's, the Daniel Bryan's, for good reason. Because they all had great runs. But Sheamus, don't sleep. Do not sleep on Sheamus. He is the man. We, lo- we love Sheamus in this house. We love him. Oh, I love Seamus, but I've always say I say to you suggesting that Gunther loses his belt to Seamus. Don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, this could go either either way with Genius. I honestly don't know. 
I, I know coming up at Survivor Series, we've, we're talking about how it's not going to be the traditional brand v brand thing. If we get no brand v brand matches, I'll be a little bit disappointed in the back of my head because, you know, if we went, if we went down the traditional route, that means this November, well, there was a possibility of seeing Lashley versus Gunther. And if there's oh even a one chance that kind of meaty men slapping meat kind of match, I'm going to fucking take it. I don't care if it makes no sense. And the whole who's a better champion doesn't mean anything. I just want to see, you know, big Austrian man versus big former MMA man just run at each other and see who comes out on top. Yeah, it's just too big, meaty men slapping me. Like it, <laughs> I, I want to know what Gunther slash Walter's role is going to be at Survivor Series since we're doing war games. Like we're doing, we're doing that shit. Are you going to put Emporium in a damn, or at least Gunther in a war games match against these dudes on the main roster? Because now that Papa H is booking the shit, this match is going to rule. So Gunther's gonna kill somebody. I oh my lord. I I have not been this excited to watch WWE wrestling in a very long time since Papa H took over. And Gunther's one of those guys where I am so fascinated at how Triple H is gonna treat him going forward. Because when do you have him cross paths with Roman Reigns? Ooh. Like because it's inevitable. When hopefully, do you do it? Hopefully, very soon. I say, like, I say, like, just fuck it, do it. The rumble. I don't care who else you've got. Plan because everybody knows the tail is not changing hands at the rumble. But I like the idea of having a warning. So I want to see him trap somebody in that bit of the ring, bit between the two rings or between the ropes and the cage. Just have them realize they've got nowhere to go and see that Walter Gunther's lining up for a chop. Like, no, no, just let their life flash before their eyes. Like, imagine Seth taking that shit. Like, it, or like AJ Styles or something. Like, it would be nuts. Nuts. Like, I can actually imagine Gunther char- chopping someone so hard they go through the War Games cage. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> or they go to the Forbidden Door, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't want to leave a couple of stats with you right now. Because at time recording, Gunther. Has under the Dewey umbrella four matches rated five stars or higher by Dave Meltzer. They have the match with Tyler, two, both matches with Dragunov, and a match with Sheamus. So that's four. Brian Danielson has three. <laughs> so Gunther has more five star rated matches than Brian Danielson, and he has more than Kurt Angle, who has zero. <laughs> oh my God. No. Nah. That just speaks more to how Dave's been critical of Kurt. <laughs> it's because mm. Kurt never went to the Tokyo Dome. That, that's his problem. Michael, sure Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle should have taken place in the Tokyo Dome. Six stars automatically. <laughs> I think John only has, Shawn Michaels only has two, which is... Uh, well, I know Shawn was in the Hell in a Cell match. Shawn versus Razor at WrestleMania 10 and the first ever Hell in a Cell match both have five stars so Shawn Michaels only has two and Gunther already has four in my heart in my head canon Shawn's two Wrestlemania matches against The Undertaker are also five stars so in my head they're tied (laughs) so there you go those little little stats there for you but uh, 
but guys, before we go, I say we we talked a lot about how you know eventually we should see Roman Reigns versus Gunther and how Gunther is basically benefiting from the Triple H, you know, era. There was a question I want to ask you guys. I'll go to Grant first, then Chris. How soon do you see Gunther not just challenging for, but ultimately winning one of WWE's world titles in the future? Oh shit! Ho ho! Oh, I can totally see that happening in the next three years. Mm. Yeah, honestly, for as long as Roman Reigns is still the champion, we know it's not going to happen. But when we when we finally have another babyface holding one of those titles, I think Gunther should basically be like the guy who takes off and be the final boss of whichever brand he's on. Hell, here's a little bit of fancy looking for you. If Cody ever wins one of one or both of those titles. Gunther should be his major feud, like Mr. America versus the evil foreign heel. And, oh, you know, here we go. Yeah, because that's never, because it's never backfired for Cody in the past. That, yo, Cody solved racism. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so, don't to be getting chopped in the neck. Fucking Gunther chops in the neck so hard that bloody tattoo comes right off. All right, no, that'd okay. be crazy. <laughs> um, the, I was thinking, again, it all depends on the Roman Reigns of it all. In my in my perfect world, Roman drops one of those belts by WrestleMania, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But I I would say two to three, because I don't know how the hell they're treating Roman Reigns. Plus, like Gunther slash Walter with the IC belt. They've built that shit up so much the last few months. It's damn near main eventing pay-per-views. And with Roman doing the part-time schedule, it will main event pay-per-views. So the IC belt isn't a bad thing or isn't a demotion or, oh, they're keeping them in the mid-card. No, he's making that shit look awesome. And his time will come with the world title. I feel like it's inevitable, especially with Papa H., but it all depends on Roman. Like all things in WWE, it all depends on Roman Reigns. One thing we've, we've seen that we talk about Gunther's title reigns is that when he holds on to a belt, he holds on to it for a long time. So if it's not going to be Sheamus this Friday, I think you have Gunther hold it to at least WrestleMania 39. You'll get the belt back on WrestleMania. And, you know, like it's, it's bizarre to me that since... Since 1988, when when Honky Dot Man broke set the record, they've not even had anybody like come close to breaking it. I know you had Santino doing a funny version of trying to match up the Honky Dot Man's record, but like the fact that nobody has not thought of anybody during in the last 30 years to go like, hmm, I like this guy. Why don't we have him break the Honky Dot Man's record? Because if anyone's gonna do it, I think you should have Gunther set another record. You know, he did it with the UK title. Have him do it the IC title as well. That, I mean, I'm not mad at that. That sounds pretty cool to me. Yeah. Because, like, we, we, they talk about this so much. Try to, like, build it back up as the workhorse title and everything, how so many group workers held it. Yet they've still not done anything to change who has the longest record when you have a guy who had a gimmick of an Elvis impersonator so he didn't have to work. <laughs> Damn, the more you talk about it, the more I want it to happen now. I, I've never, I didn't even think of that. I want that, I want that now. As much as I love Seamus, 
damn, Gunther breaking that record would be very freaking cool. So that's going to do it for us here on our yes, this is our feature show. Uh, we're going to be doing like different shows uh, going forward. We've got the wrestling mixtape, we've got bookets, we've got uh, some other ideas we've got coming forward. So it'll be another couple of months before you hear your next career profile, but it will be us, and hopefully Gary Kiernan will be able to join us. Uh, he is our forgotten fourth member of this group. So who will be doing a career profile of next? Who knows? If you have an idea, let us know on our East Super Retreat community page on Facebook. Let us know at Super Retreat Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram if you have a suggestion. But we will be doing this on a semi-regular basis. Uh, to keep up with past future shows and everything we've got coming up on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts, keep up with Central. Or at least myself, Chris Lopez, John Richwood, and David Hockney on a semi on a rotating basis join Ross McLeod for Ross McLeod for Central. Look all the latest news, reviews, everything going on in the world of wrestling. We have Saturday Draft Live with myself, David Hockney, Jack Gary, and Ryan Dalgleish looking at ESR's fantasy draft. We have also East Meets West, where at the time of recording it's not happened yet, but when the time this comes out, Royal Quest will have happened. And so that and everything going on there. Me and Grant should have a big episode of East Meets West coming to you very, very soon. Yeah, well, let's just pretend it's happened. How great was Royal Quest? Absolutely outstanding. I honestly could not believe the results from that. Who would have thought that the Aussie Open and FTR would have went to a 90-minute draw? And who would have thought Shibata would have came down and kicked Liz Truss? Out of London. Wrestling! <laughs> Wrestling. <laughs> Wrestling is such a fun and bizarre world. But thank you to the panel that have joined me here today for this career profile and hope to do it again very soon. Thank you very much, Grant McRobbie. Thank you, it's been a pleasure again. Thank you very much, Chris Anthony Lopez. With what's left of my voice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I have it's got my third. And remember, there ain't no escaping a Gunther Chopin. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.